Alright guys, so before this episode of the Tuesday Podcast gets started, I just want to quickly apologize because my audio for some reason in this recording was not very good. It was really faint. I tried putting it into different audio uh, editors, but I just couldn't really get it to sound crisp com- compared to Jaden's. So right now it's probably sounding good, but in the in the actual uh, episode, it was real faint. Uh, hopefully you guys can bear with it. Uh, we'll try and I'll make sure that it's better here for the next episode and... Um, yeah, uh, it's been a while, but uh, we're glad to be back. And without further ado, enjoy episode three of the Two Seater Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome back to another episode of the Two Seater Podcast. We are back after two weeks of just not existing, I guess. And we've definitely missed a lot. So um, we'll go ahead and get straight into it because we have some interesting things to talk about. Jaden, uh, start us off here. Um, so obviously, since we missed two weeks, which is my fault I'm be honest so um but there's a lot of things that we missed first being the draft so what is your overall take on who had the best draft who had the worst draft so uh obviously we were gone for two weeks but we recorded an episode uh pre-draft and there was a lot of things that uh shifted uh things that we weren't expecting uh but I'm pretty excited to talk about it so um I think overall the league had a really good draft I think a lot of teams addressed their needs and I think overall Pretty much, there weren't really that many questionable picks or picks that were, as I guess, you would consider reaches. So, I feel like uh, for the most part, you know, it was a it was a good draft for the league, you know, all around. But um, there's definitely a lot of uh, ones that stood out just because of, like the value they got with their picks. So, um, me personally, I think Arizona Cardinals had uh, one of the best drafts, and it might sound biased just because I'm hometown team, but uh, I think Isaiah Simmons falling all the way down to number eight was a was great. I think it's a great pickup because he's a stud defender. He has a good frame, and obviously he has real good speed. So Vance Joseph has obviously said he wants to uh, put him at the linebacker position. They want to keep him there. But, you know, he's. I'm sure he's going to be willing to guard the tight end with that speed and that frame. He's going to be willing to guard the tight end. If they put him at corner, I'm sure he'd be willing to do it. So that's a very good pick. He's very versatile, and I think that's a very good pickup for Arizona. They obviously took uh, Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. First-round talent, the follow-away to number 72. That's another great pickup. They're addressing the front seven with, uh, obviously, Simmons. You have Evan Weaver out of Cal. You have defensive tackle Rashard Lawrence out of LSU. And the most questionable pick being Lecky Fotu out of Utah. And he still has upside. So, overall, I think Arizona had a great draft. Uh, what about you? What do you think? Um, so, I will agree that Arizona did have a uh, great draft, but they're definitely sneak. sneak sleeper pick was Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State. I think Eno's good, definitely going to be real good. But, I just, I want to know how well it's going to work because we have, we obviously just re-signed Kenyon Drake for one year. We have Chase Edmonds, who's obviously showed promise when we played Cincinnati in New York. And then you have DJ Frosty, who we re-signed. So there's gonna, it's going to be a crowded backfield. I want to see how it works, but Eno definitely has a lot of upside. And he went all the way to the seventh. So I think it's a good low-risk, high-reward pick. Yeah, um, and in my opinion, I think there's a definitely a three-way tie between three teams, and those three teams are the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. So I'm gonna start with the Vikings. So obviously, they in free agency they lose Stephon or they trade Stephon Diggs, they they lose Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayne's, Mackenzie Alexander, but the fact is is that they replaced all of these guys with picks. You get Justin Jefferson with the high upside. Um, Jeff Gladney, and then you get uh, Cameron D- Dantzler. And I think that they just addressed their holes very well while also getting good value for every single one of their pick. They mm-hmm. sure sh- up a little bit on the uh, at the tackle with um, Blake Brandle. 
then you um, you share up on the D line and definitely the back seven as well. Mm-hmm, definitely, they definitely uh, got they made most of the picks that they got in the Stephon Diggs trade, and I think uh, they have a lot of good uh, pieces that will definitely develop and become really good players in the long run. So go ahead and talk about Dallas because you slandered them in, uh, in our first episode, and then we'll talk about your home. You'll talk about your Ravens. Um, so obviously they, well, the obvious one is they get a great value for CD Lamb, which is in my opinion. The best wide receiver in the draft, hands down. Yeah, I'm I'm still shocked he fell all the way to 17. That's crazy. Um, and I really think that it showed. So I didn't want them to get CD Lamb. I was sitting there. I was I was praying. I was praying that they wouldn't draft CD Lamb. <laughs> and I I see Jerry Jones with a smile on his face coming out, and you hear CD Lamb, and it's it's definitely annoying to see Cowboys fans have that much joy. But they had a great draft. You know, they they lost Byron Jones in free agency to the. Dolphins. The Dolphins. Then they replaced him with Stefan Diggs' little brother, Tre- Trevon Diggs, out of LSU or out of Alabama. Alabama. Um, they also take uh, Reggie Robinson, another corner. Um, Tyler Biaz out of Wisconsin. Biaz. Yeah. But that's a good pick because obviously you just lost here all pro center and Travis Frederick. So you're gonna need you're gonna need a center. Um. Yeah. But obviously think that they filled up their holes in the back seven, which has always been one of their struggles. Um, they take Neville Gallimore, which um, shows up their defensive tackle position. Mm-hmm. And then Ben DiNucci, um, I think it was out of the seventh round, which shows how much they they trust in both Dak and Andy Dalton, recent signings. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's good in case, you know, that something happens to Dak and something happens to Andy. But... Yeah, I think overall the, the Cowboys did a good draft. I definitely agree with you on that. And then the last one was the Ravens, which you get Patrick Queen, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Metabuki, uh, Devin Duvernay out of Texas. Duvernay? Something like exactly. that. Out of Texas, Malik Harrison out of Ohio State. Um, I think they did a very good job at filling their holes, which is um, at linebacker. And they get another playmaker in J.K. Dobbins and Devin Duvernay. And James mm-hmm. Porce out of SMU. So I think they did a good job on adding playmakers and speed to that wide receiver spot, and then they yeah. also shore up their defense and was which re- was really their lacking was the linebacker spot, as you can see with the te- the Tennessee Titans game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I think all your three picks are great, but you know, obviously there, there's other sleepers. You know, the Bengals obviously had a great draft taking Joe Burrow. Dolphins has a solid one. Panthers had a good one. There's just a bunch, yeah, I think just overall, a lot of teams had real good drafts, but there were some teams that made some questionable picks. Talk to me about the Green Bay Packers, Jaden. <laughs> just awful. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, so first of all, you have Aaron Rodgers, possibly the greatest arm talent to ever, ever played football. And At they, risk motion. They Goodness. go out and draft Jordan Love in the first round, which I don't hate that pick. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's like I feel like they're trying to piss him off at this point. They're running him out of Green Bay. Yeah, and it's like it's questionable again because like obviously when you when teams take a quarterback in the first round, you look at a team when you think of a team that takes a quarterback out of the first round, you think they're rebuilding. You see that with Miami. You see that with Cincinnati. But Green Bay went eleven and five last year. Like yeah. you, you wouldn't think that they would take Jordan Love in the first a first round QB, let alone Jordan Love who's honestly a gamble because you've seen uh like his decision making can be a, a big question mark sometimes so it's like 
they, and there's obviously like late round talent. You have Jacob Eason, uh, you have Jalen Hurts, you had Jake Fromm going late. So there's obviously quarterback talent later on in the draft. So I think just the fact that you're taking a, a quarterback in the first round when you have a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and one of the greatest of all time, and you're still in win, you're still in a win now mode, and you need wide receivers. That's your biggest need. It's just uh, such a big question mark. I don't know. Yeah. If it, no. I mean, yeah, if you watch that 49ers game back, there was an obvious need for playmakers in the offense. You had Adam Jones and uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. But other than that, you didn't have anybody on that team. And, you don't. And I, yeah, think, like, I thought that that was one of the big holes that they needed was just home run hitters that can take the top off the defense and take some pressure off Aaron Rodgers. And they definitely did not do that. Yeah, you and there's there's obviously late round wide receiver talent. You had Brendan A.U. you know, falling to the Niners. You had... Uh, what is it? You had Justin Jefferson going in the uh, early second or no late first round. Sorry, but there's obviously receivers there that you can take. There's there, playmakers. Devonte Adams needs help. It's it can't just be you know Devonte Adams and and Aaron Jones and obviously Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, most definitely. And the fact is that this wide receiver class was so deep, and that's the most ridiculous part about what they did with their draft class is they did not take one single wide receiver in such no, a no, deep... late round talent. You didn't take a single one. You know, you have Michael Pittman out of USC. You have yeah. there's just good receivers in general that they didn't take Chase Claypool. Just no one, especially in the late rounds. You saw KJ Hill go out. You got Antonio uh, Gandy golden. Um, there's just an abundance of either solid or good wide receivers. And they did not take one. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, like, when you look at it last year, like, obviously Green Bay is in win-now mode right now. And you saw what Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams could do to a team. They brought them to an 11-5 record. Obviously, their defense was solid overall, like, all around, you know. But that wide receiving core was just Devontae Adams. That's it. So if you got another playmaker in the first round, or just in general, like, that team could get over that hump and possibly be, like, a contender for real. Last year, it was kind of a question mark because obviously Aaron Rodgers was good, but who else besides Adams and Jones was there? Nobody. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I do think it's, it was a good idea to draft a quarterback for the future, but um, I don't think that they should have took Jordan Love, especially with their first-round pick because, again, you do have Aaron Rodgers. Um, he is getting old, but I thought they could have taken, like how you said, a Jacob Eason with an incredible arm but questionable work ethic, which – I think if you put him behind Aaron Rodgers for another two to three years, however long he wants to play, um, he gets developed and he turns into like Aaron Rodgers 2.0, how Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers had. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think it's just, you know, it's kind of a big question mark. Obviously, there was a lot of questions surrounding Rodgers uh, during the him and McCarthy's last season and then picking up. And then when you get him out the floor, people were questioning, is he going to like this head coach? Is he not? You know, what's his thoughts on the front office? And, he obviously got along with Matt LaFleur, but right now their relationship is again in question because you're taking your future when you obviously still have a lot of fuel left in the tank. Most definitely. Um, but it's definitely a testament to what the Green Bay Packers believe in Aaron Rodgers. Right now, it doesn't look like they believe him, believe in him as their top guy, and they're just kind of trying to burn it down. Yeah, so I think Rodgers is definitely going to be on the mission this year. I wouldn't doubt that one bit, and I'm excited to see what happens in Green Bay. All right, but that's so- not the only team that we thought were uh, questioning, that we made some questionable picks. Um, the next one is definitely the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I think you know they're they're uh, they're trying to fit into that Vegas stereotype, you know, just taking straight gambles on gambles on gambles. First one, their number twelve overall pick, their first pick, they take Henry Ruggs out of Alabama, the speedster wide receiver. What are your thoughts on that pick? Um, I mean, I don't dislike Henry Ruggs, but I do believe that they they could have got so much more value for that pick. You could have taken Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, who was. Definitely the the best wide receiver in this class, but um, mm-hmm. and I think that they take the third they they took in my eyes the third best wide receiver that was on the board for them, and Definitely. I could understand you know you like Henry Ruggs you know it's a classic Raiders move to go speed speed speed, but mm-hmm. I don't think that they should have taken him at number twelve and if they really want him they could have traded back to the late mid first round late or late early first round, but it was definitely a I understand their, that their draft board process is a, if you like somebody, take them, take them, take them. But they should have just traded back. Yeah, definitely. Especially because, I mean, there's, like you said, there's a bunch of wide receiver talent in this class. And you have the chance of taking any of the wide receivers. Ruggs is the first one to go. You took, you could have taken C.D. Lamb, whose run after the catchability is insane. It reminds you of, you know, a former Raider and Amari Cooper, who is amazing after the catch. And you've seen what he did when uh, in his first years. Obviously, Jerry Judy is a really good route runner, like Amari Cooper was. You've seen the promise in these other receivers. And Ruggs is a great receiver, but I see him more as a deep threat of wide receiver number two. You know, that, that's going to make a streak across the field rather than, you know, being a Jerry Judy or a CeeDee Lamb that's willing to, you know, take some contact in the, uh, in the middle of the field, run slants, and be able to make plays after the catch. I don't see Ruggs doing that. Yeah, and they definitely – you could look through their draft class, and they definitely reached on a lot of – a lot of picks. Um, the second pick was Damon Arnett out of Ohio State. Um, good. I like the I like the pick. That's the thing. I like the pick, but you could have got him in the second or third round, where he was projected. But he's a great pick. I'm gonna be honest. But they shouldn't have taken him in the first round. He wasn't first round talent. And even if so, you could have traded up to get a C.J. Henderson if you really wanted a corner. Definitely. And I think uh, another questionable pick was um, Amik Robinson. Obviously, he's a late pick. So it's not really like it's gonna hurt you that bad, but he's five foot. He's a cornerback that's five foot eight and coming off injury. So um, you can't really expect him to be like a. You can't really expect him to be a number one cornerback that has to go out and guard like a Mike Evans or Michael Thomas, a big receiver AJ Brown like that. Like you can't expect him to go out and do that because it's probably not gonna end that well. Well, uh, the first thing I wanted to say was you can see um, Ohio State sway in the NFL with the Damon Arnett pick, especially as they are becoming debatably DBU right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now uh, they just got a lot of value. And as far as Ohio State goes, I think that their name has a lot of sway over that pick. I think it shows it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because, you know, obviously, you like you said, Arnett was projected to be probably – you probably could have gotten him in the second round. But because, you know, that name attached Ohio State and you saw what – you know, Okuda was able to do, becoming, you know, the number three pick. You know, just uh, Ohio State's ability to buff up defensive players. Arnett, they, they took a gamble and said, let's take Arnett in the first round in number 19, when there's obviously other talents we could have taken. Oh, most definitely. Um, but since we are on the topic of picks, who is your front runner for both the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year? Uh, I'll start with my offensive pick. Uh, for me, I feel like the most, the best pick, the safest pick is probably Joe Burrow, and it seems like the most generic one. But if you think about it, you have a young QB who has 
an, an astounding amount of confidence for such a young guy. But when you look at the talent that Cincinnati's offense has, you have A.J. Green, who just franchise tagged. You have Joe Mixon, who's obviously been a great running back on a terrible team. And you have uh, Tyler Boyd, who's been a great number two wide receiver, who's been able to make plays. And you also have John Ross, who's a speedster, who's a really good uh, wide receiver number three. But also, a little motivation for that is that he, the Bengals declined his fifth-year option. So this is like a contract year for him. So he's going to be on a mission. He's going to be on a mission trying to prove to everybody that he can be a good wide receiver in the NFL and that he deserves to get paid. So that receiving core is going to be scary. And you have Joe Mixon helping him in the backfield. I think as long as Cincinnati's O-line holds up, Burrow is probably going to be the safest pick for offensive rookie of the year. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, You definitely got um, not the greatest arm talent, but confidence. You got poise in the pocket. And he's definitely a great improviser. And like you said, you got John, John Ross who can take the top off the defense. You got Aaron A.J. Green who can really do it all. You get t- Tyler Boyd, um, great number two re- receiver. And you add T. Higgins. Gives mm-hmm. them a good amount to take or to take the top off the defense out of any four of those. And mm-hmm. again, Joe Mixon, good wide re- or receiving running back and a good runner of the ball. So I think he's definitely the front run pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a dark horse? Do you have a dark uh, horse? Uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate? It, it depends. If he plays, uh, I think it's Tua. I, it could be Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Devontae, Devontae Parker, and they've shirt up their O-line, but I'm not sure if he's going to play this year. But if he plays, he could definitely make a run at offensive rookie of the year, no doubt. Definitely. I think my dark horse, personally, is going to be Justin Herbert. Again, like you said, it's the same situation as Tua. Assuming he does play this year, if you think about the talent that's surrounding him, you have Hunter Henry at the tight end position. You have Austin Eckler, who just got signed. You have Keenan Allen. And you got Trey Turner from Carolina after getting rid of Russell Okun. So your offensive line is set. Your receiving, your skill positions are set. I think that uh, Herbert, if he does play this year, has a lot of potential to be super good and lead this team, hopefully back into the playoffs like they did two years ago. Yeah, and... But honestly, I do not see anybody contending with Joe Burrow. Yeah, you I think got, Burrow's a clear front runner. I don't. Think you got Clyde Edwards-Helaire out of LSU. You got DeAndre Swift, and you got J.K. Dobbins, as well as Jonathan Taylor. But the key thing is that they're all sharing a backfield, so they're not going to get as many touches as Joe Burrow is going to get. So, mm-hmm. I think that Joe Burrow is easily the front runner, the basic pick. Um, but I think there's no contending with it. Yeah, uh, but I mean, obviously, you, you never know because we've seen situations where a rookie running back gets put into a, a split backfield and they deliver. You know, obviously, the best example of this is Alvin Kamara, who was able to produce heavily when he had uh, Mark Ingram, uh, the second next to him. So, I mean, with Jonathan Taylor sharing the backfield with Mar- uh, Marlon Mack, you have uh, Edward Tillery sharing the backfield with Damian Williams. They can obviously, they have a chance to produce. Same with J.K. Dobbins now. Maybe, he, maybe Dobbins becomes the next Alvin Kamara. With uh, Ingram next to him. Yeah, but I, I honestly think there's no contending with yeah, Joe Burrow I, at all. I, I think Burrow's just a sure bet. I think definitely. it's definitely his to lose. Like, if he mm-hmm. throws this year away and just has a terrible year, then he's obviously going to lose it. But unless he does that, I don't see him losing it. Yeah. Even if he has a decent year, I see him winning it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we talked about the offensive side of the ball. Let's go ahead and talk to the defensive side of the ball. And I feel like I already know who your pick is going to be for defensive rookie of the year, but uh, let me hear your let me hear your say here. It's Isaiah Simmons. It's another lock, just oh, like it really? is Joe Burrow. Who was yours? I thought you were going to say Chase Young. Uh, I don't know. Wow. 
<laughs> I'm that, just going to say, crazy. I think it's going to be Isaiah Simmons because he's going to have a big impact on the or I was going to say Cowboys, on the Cardinals. Um, you know, you sure up, he could play any position on the defense other than uh, on the line, but he could play on the slot. He could play against the slot wide receiver. He can play safety. He could play linebacker. He really can do it all. Yeah, and which, I feel like he's still willing to be part of that pass rush. Obviously, like, don't make that his number one position. But if you want to send him on the blitz, you know, go for it. And I feel like he'll, he'll do just fine. He could do everything at a good level and sometimes even a great level. And, I, you know, I think Chase Young is a transcendent player, once-in-a-lifetime player. But you, you do have a good line in the Redskins. But I think they're uh, fifty-one forty-nine type thing with with them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, what's your dark horse? Do you think Chase? Would you say Chase Young is your dark horse? He's not my dark horse because he's definitely like the other major contender, and it's mm-hmm. definitely between Isaiah Simmons and Chase Young. Mm-hmm. But definitely. the other one that I could see coming in is Derek Brown for the Derek Brown or Jeff Okuda. Mm-hmm. But I you don't see a lot of uh, cornerbacks really winning those types of awards, so... I mean, Lattimore took it home a few years ago, didn't he? Yeah, but but Lattimore did have a crazy year, though. That's true. Which, I like Jeff Okuda a lot. Um, had no pass interference calls last year. Um, allowed hardly any sort of big plays against any wide receiver he played against. But I think it's going to be Derek Brown, uh, defense tackle out of Auburn. I think he's the dark horse pick. Definitely. All right, so I think I'm going to be with you here on this uh, defensive rookie of the year pick. I'm definitely going to take Isaiah Simmons as a – not as a lock, but probably the lead contender just because, like you said, he's a very diverse player. He's going to have an immediate impact in Arizona. I guarantee you he's going to start immediately. He's going to get as many reps as possible. He's going to be comfortable in that system by the, t- by the end of the year. And I feel like he's definitely going to be someone that's going to be willing to make plays on the uh, defensive side of the ball for Arizona because – your secondary is okay. You have Pat Pete, who obviously had kind of a down year because he got suspended, but I'm sure he'll be back with a vengeance next year. You had Buda Baker, who was a pro bowler last year. And you have, uh, I mean, you had Chandler Jones, obviously just an excellent pass rusher. So, obviously, there, you have playmakers on that Arizona defense, and I think adding Isaiah Simmons to that front seven, middle field area is just going to make your defense even better. And I think he definitely is uh, the lead contender for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, um, and it's it's not a testament to who or what Chase Young could do on the field. To me, it's the Redskins front office and coaching. I do not believe in it at all, <laughs> and I don't think that they will maximize his talents. I think that – You don't have faith in Ron Rivera? Nah, I don't have faith in the Redskins at all. But all right. I think Arizona has a – way better uh, development program and staff behind them, as well as coaching. So mm-hmm. yeah. I can see Isaiah Simmons, his talent being maxed out there. Mm-hmm. Perfect Hopefully, Yeah, I, I definitely Perfect do fit. have faith in some in uh, Vance Joseph. And uh, obviously, Steve Kine did a great job as a general manager for the Cardinals. I think they had a great offseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's most of the draft talk. Uh, one more thing about football before we transition into some uh, other things. Let's talk about the... As as the day we're recording this, the Rams uniforms have just been debuted. We have some very uh, qualified opinions on these. I'll, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on these Rams uniforms? So, at first look, I'm like, man, these are just go- a god-awful. Mm-hmm. And I look, uh, now, looking at them, and I saw players wear them, I think they're okay. Um, I hate the helmet, I'm going to be honest. 
Helmet's disgusting. Um, the font, the font is the killer. I'm gonna be 100. percent The the font ruins the entire jersey. Most definitely. Like I like the white jerseys more than I like the blue jerseys because I don't like the gradient on the blue, and I like the little yellow stripe um, on the white. But overall, they're okay. I love the vibrance. I hate the helmets it's in LA, but the font it kills me. You know what? You know the the font they use in front of gas stations to tell you what the price is for unleaded <laughs> premium. This that's is Ariel. This that's is Ariel, bro. Yes, it is. And that's like, <laughs> hey, like you're LA. You're vibrant. There's so much like hype around you. You could have done so many things with the font, and you choose gas station text. Um, and I think the worst part was is that they degraded the helmet so bad oh yeah that, the, oh, that, the original helmet that they had last year was the so blue good. and white the, the blue best. and white was de- debatably the best helmet in the league yes and like they kind of just ruined it i know and i obviously like you wanted to go with your new logo but i feel like those horns are so lame i think that they're the trying to go horns. too modern with it kind of like the falcons it just didn't pay off at all mm-hmm. so uh at at this point what like which team do you like aesthetically uh, which LA team do you like more aesthetically? The Chargers or the Rams? I'm taking the Chargers by a mile. It's Chargers by a mile. They're, they're, I, like, I actually really like their jerseys. Mm-hmm. The Chargers jerseys are nice. Definitely. And I think the big thing that speaks volumes on this is you have arguably, not even arguably, I feel like the the face, not not the face, sorry, but the icon of the Rams and Eric Dickerson, he wasn't, he wasn't impressed. Nobody was. was. Honestly disappointed. <laughs> He said, I'm going to read the quote for you. I just don't like the stripe around the sleeve. It's not big enough, he said. It almost looks like a lightning bolt, like the Chargers uniform. It does. Obviously, it does. obviously an eyebrow razor. <laughs> I don't like the stripe down the pants, which you said you liked. On the on the, only one, on the white ones. Only on the yeah. white ones. Yeah. I wish it was bigger. And the horn, man, it's horrible. Like you said, I'm with yeah. you on that. That new horn on the helmet is just terrible. I just feel like they really took away from the Rams uniform. And it looks almost like the Chargers logo. It looks like two bananas. This is football. This ain't nothing to do with surfing. This ain't nothing to do with waves. I'm going to be football. honest, though. I'm going to be honest. You could tell with their logo that this uniform is going to be garbage. I'm going to be honest. I know. that. Like, let's be honest. The moment you saw that new uniform when they rebranded, like, you knew that these uniforms, they probably weren't. You couldn't expect much out of it. And yeah. I think it sucks because you didn't need a new rebranding. You spent millions of dollars, billions of dollars, to make a new stadium. That looks like your old logo. Why would you make a new one? Like, obviously, I get a fresh start, but you strayed away from the original design. So I, I was I was actually excited for this rebranding, though. Um, I like the, I I did really like their logo. I didn't really like it, but it was it was serviceable, and I thought that they should have just changed the jerseys, keep the helmet. I thought that's what they were gonna do to make it uh, match more. Maybe gone blue and white instead of blue and yellow. Or changed up the blue, but I I don't think this blue and yellow really sticks. I thought they they should have uh, stuck with the blue and white helmet. I feel like the gradient was also a big question mark. I don't. I feel like it was unnecessary for the uh, the blue the blue the blue uniforms. What is up with gradient? Because you see the Falcons using it, and you now you see the Rams using it. I don't like I, it. I, I don't know if this is on Nike or if it's on the Rams, but it's on somebody. I don't I don't yeah. like it, and I think the 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 best part about this entire feedback from Ed. Was that he said, and to me, it just looks soft. It does. <laughs> it really does. It doesn't like the Rams lo- uniforms. Obviously, some of them last year were kind of questionable. Like 
you know the uh, not it wasn't the color rush uniforms, but their one of their main uniforms where it was primarily blue. It was basically like these, except it looked kind of it looked better, and it had uh you know like the the old school font. It was like the blue and yellow normally, obviously with no gradient, and that one was kind of questionable. But you still had the helmets, which kind of made up for it. But you get yeah. all that. You kind of ditch. You kind of forget like what the Rams really were. This this uh, offensive powerhouse. Because now you just look at these and you're like, what the? They're like they're like they're like uh, Arena League, the Arena League Chargers. That's that's the way I see it. Yeah, it's just not. It's not a good look. I I think it looks good on Jalen Ramsey, but when I looked at Aaron Donald's picture, it just looks. Yeah, looking nasty. at Donald's pictures. Oh God, no. <laughs> I th- I thought it looked good on Jalen Ramsey. Um, but no, boys. yeah. It. The 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 white on the all white on the slim boys is it's nice, but then you got Aaron Donald, and I don't think it's gonna look good. Definitely not. But uh, was, yeah, I, th- I think we slandered them enough. Let's talk. Let's let's switch over here. We're transitioning into the NBA. So this is an old article. This is uh this is from September sixth, twenty nineteen. Uh, this is a Bleacher Report article called "How Many Current NBA Players Are Really Future Hall of Famers." And uh, there's definitely some interesting takes when I saw the list. I think there were some things that could be very good discussion topics. Um, we'll, we'll go over the ones that are obviously locks. LeBron James, D-Wade, Dirk, oh. KD. Those aren't, those aren't disputable at all. We all know they're locks. Chris Paul, lock. I think he's, he's going to be a of famer, definitely. Steph Curry, lock. he's young, but I think he's definitely a lock. What are your thoughts on Russell Westbrook being a lock for the Hall of Fame? I mean, he has a... He has um, an MVP. Does he have two? two? I think he only has. Yeah, he has no, two. No, he has right? one. All he right. One. So he has one MVP. Um, I don't he's know if he's at. He they put him at a ninety-nine point seven four. But I do think that he should be more of a seventy percent. But I do think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think just the biggest question around him is: is it, is can you really win with him? Because obviously, he you're know, like obviously OKC made the playoffs when he was you know the the leader of that team. But they, they never really got over, over that first, second-round hump. So I think that's the biggest question mark surrounding him. And I feel like the biggest conversation thing here is Dwight Howard. That's what uh, I was going to say. 99.3% over players like Vince Carter, Pau Gasol. And I just want to talk about Dwight because I'm a Lakers fan. And coming from a Lakers fan, I love Dwight, especially this year because he, he did great. I didn't like him the first time around because he, he didn't really do that good. And then he left for Houston. But... Dwight this year has been great. He's able to revive his career out of after some down years, but those down years I feel like need to come into effect when you're talking about these Hall of Fame probabilities. Do you think he should be a ninety nine point three? What do you think? Um, most definitely not. I think that the only really good years that he had was in in the or the Magic's jersey, and he goes to L A. has a bad year, goes to Houston has all right, and leaves Houston. He goes to Atlanta. And it becomes his big journeyman going to Charlotte, going to Washington. He didn't really yeah. produce there, you know? I don't think he really produ- produced anywhere other than L.A. for the past four seasons. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he should be a lock as in a 99.3%. I think that he's definitely more of a 40-50 type of guy. Whoa, Whoa okay, okay. So I don't, I don't think he's a 99. Definitely do not think. But I think he should be at least like a 60-70. Because think about those years he had in Orlando. He made Jameer Nelson an all-star, right? And he was able to carry that team to the NBA Finals over a LeBron-led Cavaliers. And obviously, you lose to the Lakers real bad. But Dwight did a lot for that team. And he, you know, he carried them to the to the 
finals, and he was such an, an elite athlete and a great defender. And that man was a rim runner. That man is the definition of a rim runner, young Dwight Howard. So I feel like he should be lower, but not in, like, the 40s range, like you're saying. Uh, I think he's just kind of like a – he's a 50-50 guy. you got to flip the coin on it because I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, compared to some of the people that they have in the Hall of Fame now, I do think he should get in. But if we're talking about a real Hall of Fame, I don't know if he gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another big question mark here is Kyle Lowry at 65.19% over somebody like that a Kyrie. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Ky- Kyrie. Uh, obviously, Kawhi Leonard is a big question mark. Uh, talk to me about that. What are your thoughts on Kyle, Kyle Lowry being a 65.19? Obviously, like, you could still go either way. And that championship made him real good. Uh, you know, um, it, it helped his odds. But still, like, what, what do you think? I do like Kyle Lowry. And I think his career is coming up on towards him an end. And I don't think he's done enough. Um, simple as that. He He's always been a staple in uh, Toronto. But you can look in his career before that. He wasn't doing much. So I think that if he had had like what he had in Toronto sooner, I think he's a for sure Hall of Famer. But I don't think I don't see first round, second round, egg, and sometimes and third round exits as even or for multiple years when LeBron was in the East. I don't see that as fitting for a Hall of Fame spot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If, yeah. if he does get in, it's gonna be as one of those. Um, He's going to be like a third, second ballot, ballot Hall of Famer in a bad down year for uh-huh. the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's going to be one of those cases where it was like it was like McGrady. Because obviously McGrady was a great player. He had a really good year. His best year coming in 2003, 2002, 2003 in Orlando uh, when he was the for the main option. He, his, uh, he averaged 32.1 points per game. And then the next year he averaged 28. He's a great player. But injuries derailed his career. And he kind of had down years after he after he left Houston. Uh, you know, he went uh, to he went to Houston. He had three point two points per game. Nine point four with the Knicks. Eight point zero. And I feel like Lowry's like that, but it's the opposite because his early years when he played for Memphis, and then he goes to play uh, with yeah. He studied with Houston, goes to Memphis, then he ends up in Toronto. His first few years are kind of a big question mark, and like even now, like Kyle, like his stats are uh, you know like. They're good. They're solid, but I don't know if they're Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, most definitely, I think he ends up as like a Gilbert Arenas type player, where he was good in his prime, but he has he didn't do enough um, to get in. Which mm-hmm. I think he's talented enough to get in, but I don't think he had the career needed to become a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, he'll definitely. Uh, I think yeah, I think he'll definitely fall in as one of those like those down years for the for the hoop hall. But I mean. Another one he, would he actually still, be Blake Griffin. Promise. Blake Griffin, yeah. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, especially with his recent years, he's been injured, his injury struggles have continued. Do you really think he's, he could be in the Hall of Fame? Obviously, Again, he's, he's the not, stats are 51.27. So it's like a meh, but do you think, like, at, on the path he is right now, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I think he's more like, meh. I think he's like, again, how I said with Gilbert Arenas, he's a good player during his prime. But injuries derailed his career, and he didn't have the career needed to get into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's debate going on about Melo being a Hall of Fame. Oh, he's a Hall of Fame. He's, he's a 98.818. I don't think there's any dispute. He's a first-year Hall of Fame. So. 100%. Produced in, produced in Denver, 
made the Knicks a playoff team regardless. I don't care what you think about his, his mentality, his jab step ball hog doesn't pass. It's it's mellow. He's one of the greatest scorers of our generation. And he lifted. You saw what happened after you left New York. New York's a joke. The Knicks are terrible. So, obviously, that was, that was like, he, he was the main piece that kept everything together and still made them a playoff team, regardless if they lost to LeBron every year. They still, they still made the playoffs, and that was, like, the last little glimpse of hope for New Yorkers. But now, now, now he, they're just terrible, and Melo is still having a solid career in Portland. Obviously not the number one option anymore, but he's still producing real good. Yeah, he definitely has a – he's a Hall of Fame, for sure Hall of Famer. He did yeah. – um, he did have that time when he was getting definitely getting uh, blacklisted from the NBA. Yeah. But, and I don't think he had the greatest end of his career um, or respectable end of his career that he deserved. But I do think he's a for sure Hall of Famer. You can't discount those years in New York and in Denver. So I think he's a for sure one of the greatest scorers all time and uh, one of the greatest players of this generation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think... For the most part, that's the list because there's a lot of them that are, that can be tossed up. You know, Paul George, Kyrie Irving, Dame Lillard. Uh, yeah, Dame Lillard. You know, they're still young. They still have a lot to prove. I think Kawhi. Kawhi should be a lot higher on this list. They yeah. Twenty fourth, but he should be a lot higher just because of obviously what he did for the city of Toronto, uh, the city of San Antonio. He's just a superstar caliber player that I think deserves a lot more recognition than thirty. Then, then again, this was before the finals and the playoffs started, though. So I don't think they, I don't think they had this before then. So. I see where they're coming from before that time, but... Um, a lot of these players are so young, they have time to grow, and I think yeah. they'll definitely be higher on this list the more, as, as the later in their careers. And uh, is there anything else you want to talk about this of this Hall of Fame list? Not really. I mean, I think a few surprises are LaMarcus Aldridge kind of being in like that, that, mid, that midline, because I feel I like think he's, a he's been okay. He's had some all-star appearances, but what else have you really done? I mean, you're a solid forward that can shoot but you haven't been able to carry a team over that hump you know he's one of those he was good when he was in his prime but now he's slowing down mm-hmm. but is he a hall of fame i don't know same with joe johnson um yeah i saw joe had some good years but i think raj on rondo he's solid yeah same with rondo i don't know if they'll be hall of fame caliber players by the end of the career and same with john wall which he had the same career that gilbert arenas did to be honest mm-hmm like, these players in their prime were so fun and amazing to watch, but their down years were just so down that you can't – it's it's real it's real hard to make a case for them being in the Hall of Fame except for those very short-lived high points. And I think that what should really determine uh, the NBA Hall of Fame is when you, you can look back 20 years ago or from 20 years from now and look at a LeBron James and say, is he really transcendent? Did he change the game of basketball? Mm-hmm. And – I think if you look at this list, you don't see Ke- or Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, uh, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, doing that. So I don't think that they should really get in that, uh, yeah. into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that's enough basketball talk for this episode. Hopefully, we'll, uh, hopefully we get to talk about more, especially with the NBA. Currently, they're trying to get back into the season. A lot of players want to get back into it. But that's all the basketball talk we have now. Um, now, now we're going to talk about uh, something interesting. I don't think a lot of people expected this. Uh, I'll let I'll let you let you give us some some background here. So you know, this was just a random day, and you're just scrolling through Instagram. You just see Mike Tyson just boxing out of nowhere, looking like he's about to kill a man. 
And today you see Evander Holyfield doing the exact same thing. And I start wondering, who would win in a fight at age 50s? In their 50s, who wins in a fight, Evander Holyfield or Mike Tyson? What's your take on this? It's such a good question. Like, first off, nobody saw this coming. Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson fighting in their 50s, training together. And then you hear Holyfield saying, who's down? Like, I'm down. Let's do it. Why not? Why not? And it's like, first off, I think it's amazing to see these guys, you know, getting back in shape. And they can still hit. Their power, their speed, it's like they didn't miss a step. But do you uh, – before I answer that, who do I think is going to win? Do you think it's smart – if it happens, do you think it's smart for these guys to get back into the ring? Uh, it's not smart, but it is fun. So, so I mean, I, I as think far, entertainment value is going to be huge, but I, I don't know if they, it's smart for the both of them. I mean, again, I don't see them. They're not going to make a return to boxing, uh, boxing 20-year-olds like they were mm-hmm. in the eight, 1980s. But I'm saying that in a charity match where they're going at somebody, I can see them doing that uh, with headgear and all that. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be interesting. Uh, honestly, I'm probably going to take... Uh, I'm going to take Mike. I'm going to take Iron Mike in this one. I'm going to be honest. And obviously, he did lose the match against Holyfield when they boxed for real way back in the day. Not way back in the day. It was in 96. But uh, when they boxed, obviously, uh, Holyfield lost his ear to Mike and Mike was disqualified. But I feel like Mike, you know, he... You see, he's still out there. To, he's pretty much out there to kill a man. That man is still... He's still hungry. I feel like that determination that he has at fifty plus is gonna get him. Uh, is gonna give him the W against Holyfield. What do you think? Um. Well, Evander Holyfield definitely has the height and the reach advantage. But man, I was just looking at Mike Tyson's uh, that video, and man, like He's on even the with the pads, even you. when he had the pads on, it looked like it hurt. Um, I'd be scared of the guy. The guy and. Um, it, I, there's no way I'm fighting Mike Tyson right now. He's scary. Definitely, definitely. Man, I, it's scary. I think so. Do you do you think this fight should happen, or do you think it should? Well, it should just be something that we can imagine. This renews the the rivalry that they had back in the day, and I, I, I would like to see. I would like to see them take each other's head off at fifty, even though they are on. Um, <laughs> no, 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 they're not in the best shape. You know, they're on, they're on their, their hind legs. I think Mike Tyson's in better shape than uh, Evander Holyfield. Yeah, though. that's that's why I'm taking Iron Mike in this situation. But Evander Holyfield did warn Mike Tyson, so we don't know how long Evander Holyfield has been training. But when I just saw that video, I was like, man, nobody's beating Mike Tyson at age 50. Mm, so, definitely. So I think I honestly think Mike Tyson knocks, knocks his ass out. I'm be honest. <laughs> so. After, you know, all this, uh, with this whole talk of these guys coming back, you know, fighting for charity, do you think this opens a door for a lot of other former boxers, like uh, Oscar De La Hoya, to, you know, come back into the ring, maybe not just for charity, but for those younger guys that, you know, they prioritized only a few years ago, do you think they're willing to step back into the ring, you know? If this op- does, do you think this opens a door for a lot of older boxers or boxers past their prime? Um, I do think that we could see um, an Oscar De La Hoya, um... I do think a uh, George Foreman, who's uh, in mm-hmm. his 70s, I think we could definitely see it. But I don't think that they return to fighting on um, at, the at, the top, at the top of the card and they don't fight for championships and they don't fight 20-year-olds. I think they come back and it's kind of like a big three type of thing where it's these older players who are just having fun with it. Yeah. And, and if they do come back, it's for fun. It's for charity. It's not going to be um, on Showtime. I think that 
it's just going to be a fun thing, like the big three. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like the obviously like they're going to put up a good fight. It'll be it'll be good entertainment, but it won't be the the peak the peak Tyson peak Holyfield peak De La Hoya, whatever the case may be. It's not going to be the highest level like we saw them twenty years ago. Yeah, and I think this kind of wraps it all up. Yeah. I uh, mean, any closing statement? Uh, I don't really have anything. I'm kind of just waiting for sports to be back. Obviously, we're having fun with the podcast right now with all the news going around, but I think it's safe to say we definitely want some sports back. I also want to say that the consistency is back on. We'll try to go every Wednesday again. Mm-hmm, definitely. That's going to be the goal. It's the big goal overall. As long as the sports stuff keeps coming in, we'll be talking about it. We'll give our take on it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely just waiting for sports to come back. And I think once that does, this podcast will ramp up. Uh, I think it'll ramp up as much as sports will. Yeah, most definitely. And I want you guys to stay safe and have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it for the two seated podcast. Uh, I am of course, Gabe. That's Jaden on the other end. Uh, stay safe and we'll see you guys hopefully next week.